be silent in his presence. Be silent in his presence. Thank you, Master. How much, how much of him, how much of him are you ready to contain? How much space do you have? How wide is your mouth open? How big is your desire for Jesus? Bible said in quietness and in confidence. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. He said if you believe you would not be in haste. These are a few minutes where the Lord is strengthening you. These are a few minutes when the Lord is speaking your spirit. These are a few minutes when the Lord is working on your case. So when you close your eyes, is it blank or do you see something? What do you see? What do you see? Engage him. Engage him. Let your imagination become holy this morning. Let your imagination become the voice and the eyes of your soul. Let your imagination carry you into the land of faith. Let your imagination bring to you that which is impossible to men. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Spirit of God. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? This morning, Jesus, we stand before you and we give you honor and praise. We look at the works of your hands and we are in awe of your greatness. The Bible says the heavens is your throne and the earth is your footstool. What kind of house can a man build for a God like this? The Bible says you bow down to look into the heavens. Even the heavens, you bow down to look into the heavens. What kind of a house can a man build for you? And yet you honor us by staying and living in our hearts. What an honor. Such an honor. We give you the glory and the praise because this morning you are here. You are here to be a blessing to your people. You are here to lift us from where we were when we came. And you will not leave us at the same level. You will carry us into the next level. Somebody is about to break loose from that which kept them down. Somebody is about to be healed from that which gave him a wound in his spirit. Somebody is about to have his eyes open to see opportunities that have been lying down all this while around them. People taking them and taking them for granted. God is about to open somebody's ears so that you can hear the sound of your breakthrough, the sound of your miracle. God is about to touch somebody's womb and put a miracle in your womb. Something you are about to give birth to that would change everything about you and move you out into your destiny. I pray today that that person is ready for what God is about to do. In the name that is above every name, Spirit of God, take over. This is your service. This is your meeting. Take it, build your church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We are in your hands as earthen vessels. We receive this gift in these earthen vessels. Let the excellency of the power be unto you, and let the glory be unto you. We thank you. We bless you, Jesus. In the name that is above every name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Please take your seat in heavenly places. Genesis chapter 18 from verse 1 to 10. Can somebody put it on the, on the stage for us? Genesis chapter 18 from verse 1 to 10. And I read, excuse me, and I read, Then the Lord, and I wanted to take particular notice of every single word. Then the Lord appeared. And if the Bible is just, you can underline the word, the Lord. And if your Bible is a good one, you will see that the Lord is spelled all in caps. All in caps. That means we are talking about God himself. And you need to go behind the scene to know which of the names of God is loaded into this Lord. And this is Yahweh. Yahweh, the self-existent one. Then Yahweh appeared to him. 
by the by the terribine trees of Mamre, as he was sitting in the tent door, you can underline the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted up, he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men underline three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them. You can underline he ran. Run. To meet them and bowed himself. In fact, if you didn't take your wonderland, everything. Let's just read it. And bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord. You can look at that Lord there. It's not in caps. It's not supposed to be in caps. And that is not Yahweh. That is ordinary Lord. As in master. As in sir. Today we say sir. And he said, My Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread. Note of that. A morsel of bread. And you may refresh your that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by, inasmuch as you have come to your servant. They said, and, and notice he calls himself a servant. You've come to your servant. They said, Do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal. Knead it and make cakes. Make cakes. Now, realize that in verse 5, he said, I will bring you a morsel of bread. Singular, just one. I'll bring you a morsel of bread. That's just one. But then in verse 6, he said, Knead it and make cakes. That's plural. Seven. And Abraham ran to the head, took a tender and a good calf, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare. So he took, he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood, underlined, stood by them under the tree as they ate. Nine. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, Here. In the tent. And he said, I will certainly, without fail, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Amen. The Lord add to the reading of his word. <laughs> Amen. All right. So now we are dealing with a series we have titled Entertaining Angels entertaining angels. The Bible says in the New Testament that we should not refuse, we should not forget to entertain strangers because many people without knowing have entertained angels by so doing. Have entertained angels by so doing. So it tells you then right from that scripture that angels can appear without wings because there is no way you can entertain an angel with six wings a seraph and not know that you have been entertaining an angel in your house so it means that if people have entertained angels without knowing it means that angels not all angels come with wings it also means that the angels can take form and shape like men it also means that angels can take a gender Either male or female can take a gender. Even though naturally 
there is nothing about the gender of angels. There's nothing about the gender of angels. If for any purpose, we, it, they, always, uh, they always ascribe he to them. That is not to tell you about gender in any way or to lift one gender above the other in any way. However, they entertain angels unknowingly. And I said the other day that it means that we have angels walking in our midst and we have angels seated amongst us. So now, we've, we've taken it from last week where we looked at the fact that Jesus has made some statements about the fact that when you deal with the least of my brothers, you have to understand that you are dealing with me. Jesus appeared to Saul on the way to Damascus and Jesus knocked him down and Saul said, who are you, Lord? And Jesus did not just say, I am Jesus. He said, I am Jesus whom thou persecute. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. And Saul was persecuting the church and was actually on his way to Damascus to go and arrest Christians to kill them. But when Jesus appeared to Saul, Jesus said, I am Jesus, I am the one that you are persecuting. In other words, every time you touch a Christian, you have touched me, Saul. And Jesus did not mince words at all. Either we are taking his words as serious, that he means everything he's saying, or we think that he doesn't mean them. And I think we'll be safer to, to take it that he means every word he's saying. You touch a Christian, you've touched Jesus. So when he says that since the days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom suffers violent. The violent would take it by force. And he goes on to say that among them all who are born by women, there is none as greater than John the Baptist. And yet, the least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. You must understand that it is not the person himself who is great. It is the God in that person that makes him greater than John the Baptist. And so, the foundation must be clearly set that human beings, human beings in the sight of God and not just ordinary, in the sight of God, every child of God that you treat or you meet or you deal with, you have to understand that there is an extension and you are actually dealing with Jesus. And you must take it literally. Take it literally. That when you are dealing with any child of God, you are dealing with Christ himself. Now you got to ask yourself that if I am to stand in front of Jesus, how will I treat him and how will I receive him? Because he said, they will say, when did we see you and give you food? He would tell them, as you did for one of the least of my brothers, you actually did it to me. So the church will have to change the way we see each other. We have to change the way we see each other. And when we read the Bible, when you read the Bible, you have to put yourself in because it's actually about you. The Bible did not say that when we treat outsiders, when we treat one of the least of his brothers, we are treating him. So it means that before we think about the person who is coming from outside, the one that is sitting next to you is Jesus covered in flesh. And so, if I cannot learn how to do it inside, we will never know how to do it to the outsider. We are not going to train ourselves how to receive outsiders and then fail to receive ourselves. Jesus said, how can you love God that you have never seen? 
How can you claim to love a God you have never seen and then hate a brother that you always see? You are a hypocrite. And you must understand that the, the root of Christianity is Judaism. So the culture of the Jews, the culture of the Jews, which in a large extent is also borrowed from the area where Israel is. I'm talking about the Middle Eastern culture. It's part of the Christian tradition. Both the, the Arabs, the Jews, and all the people in the Bible lands who are still there today. The culture and the customs and the traditions are still in the Bible. And many of them, many of them, Jesus ascribed to them that they are good. So, amongst them, the church will learn, if the church will learn these things, and we will practice these things, especially because Jesus himself, Jesus himself ascribed to these practices. So, amongst them, it is a custom, and they, they obey and follow these customs, even as if they are sacred. Sacred. When, 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 you see, if, if you are, if you are a permanent, a permanent alien, in other words, you are not even a Jew, but you have come in and stayed there. Now you live there. You are protected by the law of the land. The Lord gave them rules and laws. Among those rules and laws, the Lord said to them, the alien that lives amongst you, he said there shall be one law, one law for the citizen and the same law for the alien that has come to stay amongst you. There shall not be a different law for them. Treat him as if he is one of you. He said, because remember that you yourselves were strangers in Egypt. So you should know how it feels like to have a stranger amongst you. The way you wanted to be treated in Egypt. Maybe you didn't get it so. But you have the opportunity to treat somebody else who has come to live amongst you. So the permanent alien living among them is protected by the law. But a stranger who is traveling through is not protected by the law. What protects that stranger who is just passing through is the force of the customs and the traditions of the area is what really protects them. So among the Bedouin, it is very important that when you meet a stranger in the way and the stranger, it is getting late and the stranger may not have a place to lodge, it is you are obliged to invite that person home. You have to bring that person home. And when you bring the person home, you must make sure that that person is comfortable in the house. He must have water to wash his dirty feet. You must give him food to eat and a place to lay his head. Now when they give you, when they give you food to eat, it is very important. Even amongst us, I don't know much about the other tribe, but among the accounts, if you come home and we give you food to eat, it means we have received you. But more especially if we are to eat with you in the same bowl. It goes further to say that I am even seeing you as a brother. Among the Jews and among those in those parts of the area. Eating together is a sign of covenant. So when God told Moses come up with 70 of the elders. The Bible said and they ate with God. And that was cutting of a covenant. So it is it is it is. Embedded in that culture that you do not eat with somebody and betray the person. You do not eat with somebody and work against that person. It is treachery of the highest order to 
eat with somebody in the same boat and then turn around against the person. That is why, that is why what Judas did was outrageously evil because it was immediately after putting his hand in the same boat. And remember the words of Jesus when they asked him, who will betray you? He said, the person that when I dip the soap in will touch it. That is the person who betrayed me. In other words, the person who is going to betray me is going to betray me immediately after eating with me, which is never supposed to be done. And that is also why the communion that we take in church is very important. Because every time we take the communion, what we are doing is that we are strengthening the brotherly bond and covenant between us and also with God because we eat in remembrance of Jesus. We need to understand some of these backgrounds so that when we are doing what we are doing, we do it from a place of understanding. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, let's get into our scripture. Because Abraham, and watch this, Abraham is the father of faith. And the Bible says our faith is the faith of Abraham, not the faith of Moses. Moses is the Old Testament, the law. The way they did their things is different, but the way Abraham did his things was different. Abraham moved with God according to faith, not according to law, and our faith is the, the faith of Abraham. We are going to walk with God by faith. And so what Abraham did is important in the way we also relate with God. Now, God came to Abraham and gave Abraham a promise. The first promise was that I'm going to show you a land and I'm going to give you that land. That was the first promise. The second promise is I'm going to make you the father of many nations. I'm going to give you a son. Abraham walked with God for years, about 20 years, and he was not seeing the promise that God had declared over his life. And that is where you need to put yourself in these shoes because there is not a single person sitting here without a promise of God on his head. And so if Abraham walked with God and was able to attain the promise, and watch this, Hebrews tells us, chapter 11, the Hebrews tells us that all those, including Abraham himself, all of them were not made perfect without us. That what they were seeking, they could not get it in totality because we had not come on the stage. That without us, they can never be complete. It is we who came to have the perfect and the totality. It means whatever Abraham got, we are supposed to get and even more. Are you with me church? Hello, are you with me church? Did we come to church today? Alright. So now, what did Abraham do? Abraham is walking with God. He has a promise he must attain. Therefore, what the Lord does with Abraham is that he comes in to give Abraham keys. He gives him key after key. And every time Abraham is obedient, it is drawing him closer and closer to the attainment of the promise. So the first thing God tells Abraham is, the first thing you must do is move. Move from your father's house. Now, I'm not going to go into all the steps because that's not my message. I'll get to my message. Move out of your father's house. Abraham obeys and moves out of his father's house. Then along the way, the Lord came to Abraham and made a covenant. He said, bring animals, cut them into two. And they walked in between, making a covenant with Abraham. Abraham obeyed that one also. In the midst and waiting for the promise, his wife introduces a shortcut to the solution. A shortcut of attaining the promise. And Abraham bought into that temptation and went into Hagar and got Ishmael, which was not 
God's agenda. So that as we are walking with God and believing God to enter into our promise, many shortcuts will be introduced to us. Many shortcuts. Sometimes it's as though let's help God a little. It looks as if God has forgotten about us. So can we do something? Let's shake ourselves small so he will remember. If even you with a very small brain in your head can remember, I want to assure you, the God that put that brain in your head, he can remember better. May the Lord remember somebody here. May the Lord remember you. Hallelujah. And Abraham this, I mean, moved out of God's will. And the Lord had to come back to Abraham, tell him, move them, suck them out of the house. Because the covenant is with Isaac. So God brought Abraham back on, on track. And now we get into our message. Abraham is seated. Can you give me verse 1? Verse 1 says, Then the Lord appeared to him by the terribent trees of Mamre. As he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So number one, the Lord, this is Yahweh, appeared to him by the terrible trees of Mamre. And Abraham was seated at the entrance or the door of the tent in the heat of the day. Now watch me. There are entrances and doors to everything you are believing God for. Let's bring ourselves to church because we are believing God. For the breakthrough he is bringing to the church. There are doors and entry points to the church. If we get it right, we will also understand the doors and entry points to our own lives, our businesses, our marriages, our families, our children. There are entry points. But for the church, there are many entry points by which God can bless the church and bring people into the church. One of them that we all know is this door behind us. That is just one. But to me, it is the least of all the doors. There are many doors. One of the doors is social media. Hello. One of the doors is social media. One of the doors, let's break it, is the television. Another door is the radio, Twitter. All of them. All these are doors by which people can have access into the church. Godly wisdom. And it is a place where people can notice the church and God can then touch their heart and draw them in to church. Abraham was seated at the door and somebody needs to sit at the doors of this church. We'll get into it. Somebody needs to sit at the doors of this church. He sat there and the Lord appeared unto him. Let's go to verse 2. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. This is a man who is expecting a promise. This is a man who is expecting the manifestation of a word upon his life. And he is very mindful of the God that he is walking with. He is sitting at the door or the entrance to his tent, believing God for a breakthrough believing God for a breakthrough. And what does he do? The Bible says he lifted his eyes and he looked. He lifted his eyes and he looked and he saw something. At the entrances of the church, whether it is radio, TV, whatever, all the social media, all the points by which God can bring in people, we need people to stand and sit at the entrances of this door. What am I talking about? We need people to be expecting we need people who will go on these sites with an intention 
with that intention. I am expecting to use this media to draw men and women unto God and also to bring them to church. Because the social media can be used. It is neither good or bad. It can be used for anything you want. Today, today, social media is used for so-called slave queens. And it will surprise you that there are church girls who today see themselves as slave queens. Somebody will slay you one of these days. And the social media is used for all sorts of things. Did you know that during the lockdown, during the lockdown, according to the research, international research that was done about the use of the, of the internet, during the lockdown, pornography shot more than 100%. So many people went on social media because they were locked down at home. They went on the internet and what they went there to do was pornography. Did you know every site your child went to? The question is, if pornography shot up by such a large percentage, what did the church do with social media? I know you tell me, we were preaching, we were preaching. The question is, who was preaching? How many of us are in the church here? So if you say we were preaching, we were preaching. Who was preaching? I was preaching. How about over, over, 20, over 200 members of the church? What were you doing at the doors of the church? What did you do at the doors of the church? That benefited the church that God has put in your hands. He looked. And he saw something. When you go on the doors of the church, you need to open your eyes and look because the Lord will present opportunities to be a blessing to the church. It's not all about you. It's also about God. When you go up there to the doors of the church, everywhere you find yourself, there is a door to the church. You can be a blessing to the church. And when you look, you will find. And so when you lifted up his eyes, the Bible says, and three men, oh my goodness, when you, when you compare verse 1 and this verse, verse 1 and verse 2, look at verse 1. Then the Lord, so the Lord appeared to Abraham. That's what he said, the Lord. But when you come to verse 2, the Lord has been now repackaged into three men. The Lord that appeared to Abraham in verse 2 has been repackaged into three men. And the verse 1, the Lord was Yahweh. But in the verse 2, the Lord is Seth. Ordinary human being, Seth. So how did Yahweh in verse 1 become three men in verse 2? And that is the mystery. Receiving these men is receiving Yahweh himself. So that the Lord has made himself three men. If Abraham received these men the way he will receive them, he must understand he is receiving Yahweh himself. And the expectation of the manifestation of the promise that he's waiting for, it is this Yahweh who will release and pronounce it. But how is he going to receive this man? And does he even know that this one, these guys that have appeared to me are the ones who are going to make that promise I've been waiting for over 20 years. They are the ones who are going to release it. Does he even know? He doesn't know. But how is he going to receive them? You will not have the benefit and the luxury of knowing the end of the story. Abraham did not know the end of the story. He was only receiving three men. But Abraham received the three men like he was receiving Yahweh in verse 1. Hallelujah. Something in the church must break. And something in the church must give way. The way we see ourselves is the reason why we treat each other the way we treat each other. Nobody will see an angel in this church with six wings and disrespect that angel. Yet, did you know, did you know that the Bible says you, you will judge angels. Hello? Hello? Did you know that you will sit in judgment and judge angels? Did you know that? It is in the Bible. If you will judge angels in the sight of God, you are greater than an angel. You know why? 
because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world include the angels there is someone greater in you that has made you greater than angels now if you are greater than angels how come you respect angels and do not respect this mystery that is seated by you there is mystery seated next to you he doesn't carry angels he carries god himself she doesn't carry angels with six wings he she carries god himself she is the image of angel michael hello a person seated by you he is the image of angel michael is she the image of angel gabriel why do we respect angel gabriel more than we respect the image of god himself and in case you don't understand the image of god the bible says in hebrews when jesus came the bible said jesus was the express image of god himself so you see jesus you've seen god and the disciples said show us the father and jesus said have i been with you all these years and you don't know the father and he was still asking me to show you the father he said he that has seen me has seen the father so now he that has seen you has seen the father so how can we treat somebody who is the image of the father and treat him lower than the angels the bible said the thing that we are discussing here angels are trying to look into them because they don't understand it let me show you another mystery people will tell you and the lord sent angels and brought revelations understanding of scriptures angel the angels came to explain the scriptures let me it doesn't mean the angel understand the scriptures no 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 the angel the angelo angel is a messenger if a king sends a messenger, he puts his words in the mouth of the messenger and send the messenger, go and tell him that John 3.16 means ABC. He comes and tells you, John 3.16 means ABC. It doesn't mean he understands it. He has been sent with a message. But you understand it. And Paul says, angels are trying to understand what we understand. So if God places you like this and places her like this, how can you treat her in church as though he was a rags? And yet when an angel comes here, you will lie on the floor right now. And yet bowing down and greeting somebody in church seems like you are worshiping him. But if an angel comes, you won't bow down, you will fall on the ground. We've mixed up things. We've, we've, we've mixed up things. When we came here, when we came here, when we took over this church, somebody walked to my wife and told my wife, you are now also mommy. Stop calling the women mommy and mommy and bowing and stop doing that because of mommy. And I told her, we discussed it. And I said, eh, yes, as of mommy, yes, mommy, yes, mommy, that brought us to this level. The same, yes, as of mommy, yes, mommy, that will maintain us here. Are you with me? Those who advise her like that, they are no more. They are nowhere to be found. If you got the thing by cheating, you must maintain it by cheating. If you got it by prayer, you must maintain it by prayer. If you got it by respect, you must maintain it by respect. If you are not expecting anything at the entrance of the door, you will see nothing. But if you are expecting honorables to walk through the door, honorables will walk through your door. I pray that somebody who is expecting a miracle, seated at the entrance and the doors, lifting up his eyes, will be expecting honorables. And if you are expecting, there is a way you manage yourself. If you are expecting honorables, there is a way you carry yourself. I pray, therefore, if you position yourself right, may honorable miracles walk through the doors. Three men. I think it's Yahweh. Now it's three men. Standing by him when he saw them. Watch this. This is how we want to entertain our angels. Our Yahweh, who has become three men. Human beings, yet they are God. This is how we want to entertain them. When he saw them coming, 
The first thing he did, the Bible says he ran from the tent door to meet them. He ran from the... This is a 99-year-old man. A 99-year-old rich Bedouin. Wealthy sheikh. He sees three men with their dirty feet. And he ran. He ran. Now, you must understand, in verse 1, the Lord Yahweh appeared unto Abraham. It doesn't, see, it doesn't say anything in verse 1 that Abraham saw him. When Abraham lifted his eyes, it was not the Lord standing that he saw. It was in verse 2, it was three men he saw. Ordinary men, their feet dirty. He ran towards them. Verse 2. And he bowed himself to the ground. He bowed himself to the ground. Now, I want you to watch this. If, if, if a host is at home and a guest comes into the house, among the Middle Easterners, there are two types of guests that, are, that, that come to your house. There are those below you and those above you in rank. Depending on what you think they are, it will inform the way you receive them. If you think that they are lower than you, you let your servant meet them and you let your servant bring water to wash their feet. And you let your servant serve them while you sit with them. You sit. And then the servant will be running around doing that. Don't we all do that in our homes? But if the person is a higher rank than you, you yourself, you must make an effort to meet the person, receive the person, and you bow to the person. Now, in the bowing, it is also in degrees. Depending on how high you are, that will inform how low I go. <laughs> so, if, you, if, if I think that, yes, you are big, but Charlie, I, I, I just bring up my head like this. That's all. You get a bow. <laughs> if it's a bit higher, it starts going down. If it's high, it starts going down. All the way to the waist. But there's another level that the person goes all the way to the ground. All the way to the ground. The Bible said, Abraham ran. He ran. So it means that Abraham received, entertained his angel, entertained his guests with speed. That means there was no time to waste. Once he saw a guest is coming, he did not waste time in entertaining them. Because if you wait and waste two minutes, that guest can be snatched by another person. If you wait three minutes, that guest can change his mind and go somewhere else. When they saw the person coming, he ran to meet the person. And when he ran to meet the person, the person has nowhere else to go but to this person who is treating him like he is urgent and he is important. He ran to meet him with speed. And he also received and entertained these angels with humility. Humility. The Bible says he bowed and didn't bow his head. He didn't bow to his waist. And bowed himself to the ground. So he recognized the guest as higher than himself, better than himself, more important than himself. Now, I don't want you to forget who Abraham is at this point. Abraham is among the wealthiest in the area. The richest in the area. That's number one. Among his wealth are over 300 men who were trained as soldiers in his house. With the ability to fight over four nations. 300 soldiers who were able to beat over four, the armies of over four nations. When they took Lot away, Abraham led his 300 soldiers and they defeated the soldiers armies of about three or four nations and brought Lot and everything out to meet Melchizedek. It was this man with 
over 300 bodyguards well trained in his house with servants and made servants and born servants with the wealth of camels and donkeys everything you can call wealth in that time abraham was on top. it is this man i don't know who you will compare him with because if you do a calculation of abraham's wealth today there will be few who can compare i'm talking about the richest of the rich there will be few who can go near abraham's wealth it was this man that saw dirty guests coming to his house and he ran meet them and bow down to say that you are better than me you are more important than me you are high in rank than me all the way to the ground how do we receive people god has brought them how do we receive here you are not asked to bow to the ground if you decide to do that that would be wonderful but at least the problem we have the problem we have is the blessing god has blessed us with that is the problem we have how ironically the blessings God has given us has become the reason why we can't serve God. Now, somebody will not come to church whilst it is raining because his car will be dirty. The mud is too much. God made a mistake in giving you a car. He thought with the car it would be easy to pass through the rain to church. So he gave you the car. Now, the car will be dirty in the mud. So you won't move it out during rain to go to church or to answer the call of God. Abraham laid his wealth on the ground. When Abraham fell on the ground, it was all his camels that had fallen on the ground. It was all his servants that had fallen on the ground. It was all his soldiers that had fallen. Everything he had, he put it on the ground to receive three dirty guests. In the book of Hebrews, the Bible said, when Melchizedek met Abraham, and Abraham paid tight to Melchizedek. Levi, Levi, who later was born later on to Jacob, who was receiving tithe? The Bible Hebrew says when Abraham paid the tithe to Melchizedek, Levi too was paying tithe because he was inside Abraham. So every blessing, every wealth of Abraham was inside Abraham when he was bowing down to three dirty guests. What do you have? How much do you have? How come you can't receive strangers and guests? And how come you can't respect them small? Small. He bowed down to the ground. The man was humble to the barest minimum. I want to share a few things with you and I wish I close. When he bowed down to them, he said, take me to verse 3. He said, my Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. If I have found favor in your sight. What he was saying is, if you come into my house, if you come into my house, I will see it as a respect you have given to me. If you come into my house, I will see it as an honor in my house. If you come into my house, I will see it as something very important has happened to my house. And I call myself servant. I call you Lord. How come? With all that he has. I don't know how big his tent will be. But to have 300 soldiers, all with, with their wives and children. Apart from that, to have other servants. I don't know how big his, his estate will be he looks at these three dirty men and he says if you come to my house i will see it as a favor and i will see it as a respect when somebody enters into this church i don't care how he's dressed i don't care how he looks i don't care how his head looks like or his nose looks like church it will be a sin for us not to see them as people who are bringing 
partner to the church. Let's receive them as people who when they come in and settle here have added honor to the church. Has added favor, added favor to the church. They have added respect to the church. We must see it that way. Otherwise, we cannot receive them that way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you come in, you have added favor and you have added respect to my house. To my house. Now, if you look at what he said in the verse 3 about the food and what he was going to offer to them. Let's go to verse 4. Verse 4. Please, let a little water be brought and wash your feet. Rest yourself under the tree. Verse 5. And I will bring you a morsel of bread. Okay. So, he said, I'm going to offer you something. Number one, I'm going to offer you a little water. And number two, a morsel of bread. Now, when you say a little water, he is saying that the water I will give you, looking at your rank and looking at how important I see you, I'm going to give you water, but I see it as not equal to your rank. I see it as what I'm going to offer you is too small, a little water. Now, you and I know a rich man like that will not receive a guest and give him anything bad. Uncle water. He will give that person the best of the waters in town. And number two, I will bring you a morsel of bread. When he says a morsel of bread, it means one little food. So if it's kenke, it means one ball of kenke, a morsel of bread. But let's look at what he actually gave them. Then you understand the way we serve people. Let's go to verse 6, all the way to verse 8. So Abraham hurried into the tent, verse 6 all the way to verse Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly, quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal. Knead it and make cakes. Give us the King James. You have the King James. You have the King James. Verse 6. Every word there is very important to you. Anyway, verse 6 says, So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal and knead it and make it. That's new King James. Now, the three measures of meal means make three cakes. I think the other versions make it clear. Three cakes. Now, how does Abraham do three cakes and call it a morsel of bread? What Abraham is doing is, everything he's doing to serve these people, he's making it look like whatever he's giving is too little. So it doesn't matter what he was giving. He's not looking at the quantity of what he's giving. He's looking at the worth of what he's giving. And he's saying that, you are so important to me. It doesn't matter what I do for you. I still see it as not enough. I still see it as not enough. These three dirty strangers. Three dirty strangers. So, when you see somebody coming in here and you want to relate with the person, is it your company, your post at work? Is it how much you have in your bank account? Are these the things that make it difficult for you to receive new people? Are these the things that make it so difficult for you to go close to new people and say, hello, how are you? What are the reasons that are the things that make it difficult for you to bow or for you to come down, to put everything you have down and give it in service to new people? And we have those who say, you know me, I, don't, I just don't like talking. You know me, I am reserved, so let others do it. You know me, the such things are difficult for me. So Abraham could have said, I have servants. Go and bring those dirty guys and give them something to eat. He could have said that. I don't like going out and I don't like it. It is up to the heat of the day. I don't like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking my breeze. I, I, I don't like, I, I, I'm reserved. 
A guy has a promise that must be realized. He doesn't know what to do for the promise to come through. He has already accused God of delaying the promise and has asked God, if I die, this servant of mine is going to inherit everything. Where is the promise? This is a guy who is getting frustrated and is looking for what he can do for the promise to come. And he realized everything that God brings my way is an opportunity to provoke my answers. And the Bible says he ran. And he put everything down. And he says, whatever I am doing is not even enough. And some of us are looking at what the person is wearing and the, and the color of his dress and, 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 and the scent around the person. The person is smelling. I told you, I told you what happened to me somewhere. I'll, I'll mention where. When I sat in church next to, I sat in the middle of the service. I didn't reveal myself. I sat next to a lady. And in the middle of the service, I could hear, tro, 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 tro. I turned to the lady and she has her hand in her panties. And it was clapping, tr tr not, not hiding it. I mean, openly, tr 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 and I'm like, who does this? Not just in church. Even when you are alone, who does this? And it was, tr 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 And as if it cannot get any worse. As if it can't get any worse. He said, now, shall we share the grace? Hold your neighbor's hand. <laughs> Hold your neighbor's hand. And let's show them and show them love. A lot of skills came into my head. How, how, how. <laughs> the first thing is to look out for somebody, a target, somebody to go and share the grace with. I didn't make up my mind to cry. She grabbed me. We will share the grace today. Whether you like it or not, we will share the grace. I had to make a choice. I had to make a choice. Between us and Jesus, if anybody was to be shy of the other and doesn't want to be, who doesn't want his friends to know that he, I know this person, it should have been Jesus be shy that the angels would even think that these guys are my brothers. Jesus didn't only introduce us. He embraced us. He didn't care how we smelled. Some of us, some of you were smelling prostitution. Some of you were smelling witchcraft. Some of you were witches. Some of you were smelling alcohol. Some of us were smelling armed robbery. Some of us were smelling weed and cocaine. Some of us were smelling fraudsters. Time frosters. That was how we were smelling. And Jesus didn't just introduce us, but embraced us. And he gave his best, his life, so that he can buy us out of the market. He gave everything. He put everything on the ground to receive us. But today you are too rich and too scented and smelling too good to embrace her because she is smelling. I grabbed her hand, shared the grace with her, and gave her a big hug. It was later I was told that she's She's mentally deranged. Mentally deranged. Beautiful girl. Quite recently, she got pregnant. They don't know who got her pregnant. She gave birth. The hospital, they took her to the hospital. She gave birth. She was almost giving birth at the, at the bathroom there. The, the caretaker saw her, took her to the hospital. She gave birth. Beautiful children. I think twins or so. And she died. But if I did nothing for her, I showed her Christian love. I want to talk to you two minutes. And then I'll close. Two minutes. The Lord has paid very big price for the salvation of souls. Everybody that Jesus saves, he does not just save the person and then look away. No. The ultimate is that when he comes, these people must still be in the faith and be presented to him. So it is actually for the long haul. He's expecting that these are kept and that they must grow to inherit their, their blessings and be presented to him. So when somebody, Jesus wants somebody to say, he wants those people to be in a family that they can take care of them. Because some families are bought pregnancies. Are you with me? 
Some families kill their children. So he wants these children to come into a family where they'll be taken care of and raised and preserved until he comes. He needs a secured house where they will be protected and not taken out by the devil anymore. So everybody the Lord brings into your church, it is an issue of trust. God is trusting you with a treasured possession. Something he bought with his blood is what he has brought into your house. The most expensive thing ever to appear on the earth is a soul that Jesus has bought with his blood. Because the worth of a thing, the worth of a thing is in the price. And he did not buy with money that can perish, but with the unperishable blood of Jesus. The blood of God, the blood of God was what was used to buy. And they are brought into the church hoping, hoping that in this family, these people will be maintained, protected, helped to grow so that when I come, they will be presented back to me. When they come in here, when they come in here, put your crowns down, put your posts down, and put your feelings down and hug them, hold their hands, ask their names. Be, run, run to meet them and let them know, let them know that we were expecting you. I'm not saying say it. If you can say it, that's fine. But let everything you do, let it speak to them that look, we were expecting you. Look, today's service, you are the most important here. Look, your coming here has added honor to us. Look, we, we cherish, we celebrate your coming. By the way we receive them, they should be able to tell it. But when they live here, before they live here, they should make a decision. I'm going to spend the rest of my life in this house. I'm going to spend the rest of my life in this house. It's a competition of hospitality all over the place. And we must win the game. And we must beat the competition to hospitality. You must lay down your debility, your whatever it is, and understand that no matter how he looks, Jesus looked past that and saved him. And you can also look past the way he looks and, 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 and get close and make them feel welcome. Abraham welcomed these people. And when he welcomed them, the Bible said, they looked at Abraham and they said, where is Sarah your wife? A year by this time I'll come back. In other words, you have received me so well, I'm coming back. I will come back. And when I come back, you will know that you did not receive just an ordinary person, but you received God himself. You would have the promise that you have been waiting for is coming. I believe somebody's miracle is locked up in just the way you receive people. And I believe that if you can start seeing people the way God sees them, somebody's miracle will be unlocked. And certain things can happen. Look, somebody's husband is outside the church. He must come to church. When he came, we did not receive him when he went back. And the marriage is not happening. May your story change. May your attitude change. May the way we see things change. And may the way we do our things change. Look, we are only what the Lord has made us. Don't make anybody feel like you two didn't come at a particular time. The time you came, were you not new? If they did that to you, will you still be here? Arrest my case. Can you close your eyes with me? They shall know us by our life. They shall know us by our life. There's one way to be sure. We are his, only his. 
They shall know us by our love. That is the message. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to start thinking about the message. Think about the message. What are you going to do? Don't tell me they have a Kwaba team and they have ushers. No. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. You are a minister first. You are a minister. Abraham could have sent a servant. He did it himself. When you see somebody outside the church, you are coming to meet somebody. Ask the person, are you coming to church with me? Are you coming here? He says, no. He says, I'm going home. He said, can you come with me? Let's go and serve God. You can go home. Sit at the door. Man the door. Use the door. Open your eyes at the entrances of the church. All the various entrances people can use to come to the church. Be the one, the Abraham sitting at the door. And when you see them run and meet them, take a decision. Take a decision. The Lord has placed you as a banker in your bank. How many bankers have you seen at the door that this is a door? This is a door to bring people to church. How many have you seen? How many of you worked at your bank to draw people from your bank to bring them to church? Some of you are engineers. Some of you are teachers. Some of you are nurses. You, all the places God has put you, these are the entrances to the church. How many of you have opened your eyes, lifted your eyes and seen the Lord, seen Yahweh at the entrance and ran to meet them and say, come inside, come, come with me to church. And because of that, we have missed angels. We have missed angels who were coming to tell us a year by this time, your miracle will come. We have missed them. Because we're expecting them to come with wings before you treat them as angels. I pray that today, that thing would change in our lives. I want you to open your mouth and pray to God. Two minutes. Say a word to God about the grace. The grace to receive people. As a church, the grace to come upon the church to be concerned about those that God is concerned about. The grace. Ask God for the grace. Because after this message, next week we'll finish. But after this message, this church must change. We must be warm. We must be warm. We must be receptive. People must look at our faces and know that our smile is genuine. That, that we really want them here. We want them here. That you cannot pass by anybody at least without a smile. If you won't say anything, at least a smile and a bow of the head. Something to say, I have recognized you. I've seen you. Don't pass by anybody again in the church without, without making the person feel at home. And if you are still standing here and you have decided you are not part of what is happening, then I fear for you. I fear for you. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you are here and you want to give your life to Jesus, I want to pray for you. You say, I want to repent from my sins and I want to give my life to Jesus. You are here like that. Can you just raise one hand? I want to pray for you. You say, the Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Make me a new person. I don't want to live without you. Today, write my name in the book of life. You are here like that. Raise your hand. I'm praying. If I see that hand, I want to pray with you. I see. I want to pray with you. Now, if you have raised your hand, I want to pray with you. So you're going to pray. You're going to pray this prayer with me. Okay, he's coming. Whether you are here or you are in the seats, if you want to give your life to Jesus, pray this prayer after me. Pray after me, okay? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Today, I repent of my sin. 
Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart. Make me a person. Write my name in the book of life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me pray for you. Father, pray for my brother and all who have prayed this prayer. I pray that you write their names in the book of life. That you cancel their name from hell. That you forgive their sins and sustain them till you come. I pray for the grace as a church to be able to help this one grow in the Lord and become what you have occasioned and ordained him to be. I give you praise and I give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. What is your name? Emmanuel Daku. His name is Emmanuel Daku. Did somebody invite you? Who invited you? The one taking care of the microphone. Who is that? Benji or Fee? Benji invited. God bless you, Benji. God bless you. Now, we will take your details. We'll call you, pray with you, and we'll have some time with you. So follow my brother. He will take those information. Thank you very much. Let me pray for the church. Father, I want to pray that anybody here who lifted up a cry to you for help, from today, remove that curtain over the church. Remove that hindrance over the church. The stony and rocky heart, break them out of our chest. Give us a heart of flesh from today. A sweet spirit of brotherhood. A sweet spirit of family. A sweet spirit of Christ. Let that be our portion. That from today, nobody will feel like an outsider. In the name that is above every name. Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you.